Middle East on the brink, North Korea on the brink, Iran increasing its aggression, elections in Taiwan. Look, there's a lot of global instability as we ourselves plunge into primary season. How have you sheltered your savings and investments from potential major setbacks to the economy? You think it can happen here? It can happen here, but it's not too late to diversify an old IRA or 401k into gold. And Birch Gold Group can help you with that. Birch Gold is the only gold company I trust. As opposed to many other investments, Gold thrives in times of uncertainty. It is an important part of diversifying your savings. Now listen, here's how Birch Gold can help make it a part of yours. Birch Gold will help you convert an existing IRA or 401k into a tax-sheltered IRA in gold. And it doesn't cost you a penny out of pocket. You want to learn more? Just text SAVAGE to 989898 for a free info kit. S-A-V-A-G-E, text it to 989898 and you get a free info kit. It costs you nothing. Just text SAVAGE to 989898. With an A-plus rating with the Better Business Bureau, countless five-star reviews, and thousands of happy customers, I encourage you to arm yourself with the knowledge of diversification through precious metals. Protect yourself. Text SAVAGE to 989898 and claim your free info kit. Protect your savings with gold. Do it now. Text SAVAGE to 989-898. Thank you very much. Birch Gold is the only gold company I trust. Text SAVAGE to 989-898. Warning, the Savage Nation contains adult language, adult content, psychological nudity. Listener discretion is advised. And now, the world's most exciting podcast, The Savage Nation, home of borders, language, culture. And here he is, New York Times best-selling author and National Radio Hall of Fame inductee, Michael Savage. I'm Michael Savage, and today we're going to talk about Biden's bombs, and his wrecking ball on America. Pay close attention because it's going to get a lot worse before it gets better. His demolition crew is in full bore right now. Inevitably, we will go to war with Russia. This is what they want. Putin vows to defend Russian interests amid soaring tensions with the West is the headline in the New York Post by Yaron Steinbuch. And they're pushing Putin to war, which is exactly the playbook of the Democrats. Notice we had no war with Trump. There was peace in the Middle East between the Jews and the Arabs with Trump. Tensions with Russia diminished with Trump. Everything has been reversed and turned upside down. And at the same time, your friend Biden is spending like a madman. And so you see a reported surge in economic activity. You say, well, that's great. Look at that. The economy is booming. But that's an illusion. It's the blowout spending that is being masked as economic growth. As you will hear from our guests later on, in Venezuela, they were using similar measuring conventions to declare an economic miracle many years after the economic catastrophe had become clear to everyone on the ground. That's according to our guest, who is coming up later, Francis Menton. He quotes a Roger Kimball who calls the Biden program MAPA, Make America Poor Again. But I would go a step further. It would be Make America Go to War Again. That's exactly what's going to go on. Putin reviewed Russia's World War II victory parade last Sunday amid tensions with the West. And during it, he alarmingly said that Moscow will firmly defend national interests. Here's what he said, according to Agence France Press, quote, 
the Soviet people kept their sacred oath, defended the homeland, and freed the countries of Europe from the Black Plague, unquote. He means the Black Plague of Nazism. Never forget it was the Russians who defeated Hitler, along with the United States, Britain, and France. Mainly it was the United States and Russia. Never forget it was Russian troops who eventually took Berlin at the cost of two million Russian troops, by the way, just taking Berlin. Here is what he said. Putin said Russia consistently defends international law. At the same time, we will firmly defend our national interests to ensure the safety of our people, he added. This is while tensions are increasing over the conflict in Ukraine and spy scandals in Europe. We're back to the Cold War under Biden. Biden's demolition crew wants war. Listen to this. You say that uh, uh, you, you're confused and you say, well, Putin's a Nazi. The exact opposite is true. Putin also denounced what he called a creeping return of ideologies of the time. Quote, when slogans of racial and national superiority of anti-Semitism and Russophobia became ever more cynical. Unquote. In other words, he goes on to say, as 12,000 troops in Russia took part in Sunday's parade, as well as about 190 pieces of military hardware and 76 military aircraft. The Russian leader said, unfortunately, there are once again attempts to deploy many things from the ideology of the Nazis, those who were obsessed with a delusional theory on their exclusiveness. I wish we had a leader who was as literate as Vladimir Putin. We have illiterates running the, the country right now. He goes on to say, and not only by all sorts of radicals and international terrorist groups, Putin added. So what's actually going on? Washington and Moscow have thrown out each other's diplomats in the last few months in a series of retaliatory moves. This is very bad. Moscow and EU member states have also engaged in a tit-for-tat diplomatic dispute. This is going on. Why is this going on? What is going on? Why is this country pushing us closer to war? Because the Biden wrecking crew is so corrupt that the best way to galvanize the American people is to have a foreign enemy. First, he made a domestic enemy of so-called white nationalists, white supremacists. That was step one. Now, number two, step two, a foreign enemy. Step three will be to arrest Americans who disagree with Biden, calling them white nationalists or terrorists. You wait and see what's coming. This is a nightmare what's going on in the country right now. But you keep on dancing and singing because he's not Trump. That's all you need to know is he's not Trump. Prices are rising. War drums are being beaten. Consumers are being squeezed. Gasoline prices are over $5 a gallon here in California. On and on. Gasoline pipeline is hacked and shut down on the East Coast. But keep on dancing. Just keep on dancing. The hack knocked out the pipeline. It's the third day now. The pipeline is out for the third day. Traders are on edge. That's oil and gasoline. Fuel suppliers are on edge right now because of the possibility of gasoline and diesel shortages across the eastern U.S. And what does Uncle Joe had to say about it? What about Aunt Nancy? What about the wonderful Kamala Harris, our leaders, the demolition crew? Colonial Pipeline said this Sunday in the United States that it was still developing a plan for restarting the nation's largest fuel pipeline, a critical source of supply for the New York region, and would only bring it back when safe to do so and in full compliance with the approval of all federal regulations. 
Meanwhile, gasoline futures surged by as much as 4.2% in Asian trading on Monday. Who attacked us? We don't know. Who disrupted the pipeline system? Gasoline is over $5 a gallon here in California. When will the system return? Nobody knows. And so fuel traders, commodities markets, are going pretty crazy right now. Gasoline is, well, in short supply. Traders are seeking vessels, ships, to deliver gasoline that would have otherwise been shipped on the colonial system. According to market participants, some gasoline tankers or oil tankers are being secured to temporarily store gasoline in the U.S. Gulf in the event of a prolonged shutdown. Not one report of who did this to us. Who shut down our essential services, such as the fuel pipeline on Colonial? Colonial halted all operations on its system late Friday after suffering a ransomware attack that affected some of its IT systems. Who did it? We will be told that the Russians did it. We'll be told that Russian criminals are responsible for the Colonial Pipeline ransomware attack as a pretext to go to war against Russia over this, over Ukraine. You mark my words. I told you when the Biden wrecking crew won that it would not be six months before we were at war with a foreign enemy. This is their playbook. They've done it before. They did it in Vietnam. They've done it before Vietnam. It will galvanize the American people. They will unite it around the leader called Biden. And you wait and see. None of you will even remember what I said to you. But I say this. It's all about the truth. It's all about the truth, my friends. And the Biden gang is a wrecking crew unlike any we have seen in many decades. Michael Savage, a host like no other. Today we're talking about Biden's bombs. Now, what do I mean by Biden's bombs? Is he bombing anyone? Well, he's bombing America with his left-wing fanaticism. And what Donald Trump built in four years, Biden will destroy in four months. I've never seen anything like this. One mistake after the other. Immigration policies that were somewhat controlled, caravans that were coming from Central America, flooding America, being sent all over the country with first-class travel by Catholic charities and other gangster groups. Biden is now welcoming asylum seekers like they're the promised citizens that America never had before. All of them Einsteins uh, waiting to be discovered. Where are they coming from and why are they being brought into America and sent into towns that don't want them? Why? Why has he melted down our border? Why? For the votes. No other reason. Biden's bomb number two. He canceled the Keystone Pipeline, killing thousands of high-paying union jobs. That's even though the Keystone XL Pipeline was known by the Obama administration to have almost no environmental impact. Biden has stopped new drilling leases on federal lands, which will kill income for New Mexico, which voted for Biden. This attack on energy has eventually caused a rise in gasoline prices, which is gonna get even worse, by the way, hurting lower income Americans the most. 
Biden's bomb number four, five, six, siding with teacher unions over the needs of families who were trying to earn a living as teachers. He refused to order teachers back to work. Indifference to the so-called real science. What is science anymore after years of the liar Fauci? Science said schools can open safely. Unions said, no, we want our teachers to collect money for not working. Why is he doing that? What about the Middle East? Bomb number five, six, or seven. Trump brought the Arabs and the Jews together. Biden has put the Abraham Accords on ice, freezing arms sales to the UAE, which were included in that deal. Biden not speaking with Israel's Benjamin Netanyahu. What has that done to this country? Spitting in his face? Why are they trying to stir up hatred and war in the Middle East? Because war is the middle name of the Democrat Party. And mark my words, ladies and gentlemen of the Savage Nation, I said this to you when Biden won, or however you want to say, got into the White House, that within six months there would be a war somewhere in the world to unify the American people. Let's talk about the economy. They jammed through an absurd almost $2 trillion aid package with no votes from the Republican Party, destroying his lying campaign promise to work across the aisle to be a unifier. Pushed the budget buster deal, even though, listen to me, he pushed an almost $2 trillion new aid package where people can't even find employees anymore because everyone's staying at home rather than going to work because the government's taking care of them. There still remains a trillion dollars that are unspent from prior packages. Are you listening to this? Bailing out blue states with $350 billion of taxpayer funds. There's Biden's bombs. Now let's talk about God for a moment. Biden omits the word God from National Prayer Declaration. Did you know this? The president boasted about America's, quote, remarkable religious vitality and diversity. He had to throw the word diversity in there. He even quoted the late congressman and civil rights leader John Lewis. But he made no mention or reference to God or any other deity. Now, if you remember Donald Trump's National Day of Prayer proclamation last year, he mentioned God eight times. Three more mentions taken from quotations. Obama, even Obama mentioned God twice. In the last National Day of Prayer Declaration 2016, Bush mentioned God four times in his 08 proclamation. But Biden did not mention God once. Why? Because he is godless. His administration is atheistic, communistic, whatever you want to say. We all know that there's no one else to pray to except God. We all know this. But yet, President Biden omitted the word God from the National Prayer Declaration. Think about that very carefully. Even if you're an atheist, what is he saying? that he's God. And now let's talk about what he's doing in promoting the left-wing racial radicals, according to Michael Goodwin in the New York Post. This man is shameful beyond belief. He's shameful in so many different ways that it's hard to paraphrase this article about Biden's new left of racial radicals. I'll let you read the article yourself from Michael Goodwin in the New York Post, and you'll see what he is doing to this country and how he is dividing us. And while we're at it, the hate crimes against the Asian Americans is an epidemic. Has Biden once mentioned the number one demographic committing these heinous crimes against Asians? It's African American street thugs. It's not white nationalists. It's not white people who are beating up Asians by and large. 
And Biden has not stepped in and said, enough is enough. Stop it. We're going to throw the book at you if you do it one more time. One more Asian crime. It's going to be three. You're going to get a go away for life. Has Biden said who's doing it? What demographic is doing it? No. Pity the poor Asian people who are being victimized by these street thugs. But this is for a president to do, not for a podcaster. Headline, michaelsavage.com. These are my headlines. Biden's drunken spending and bailouts causing dramatic inflation. You will not hear that on CNN. You will not read that in the AP because they're covering for this communist. Headline. This is the mile headline in Wall Street Journal owned by Murdoch who wants to make sure he's still friendly with the administration like he was with Trump. Okay? Rising costs for everything from fresh fruit to freezers are shaping purchase decisions. Treasury Secretary Yenta Yellen doesn't anticipate inflation to be a problem. She doesn't. Are you joking? Yellen is a, a plant that will say anything they want to say that they wanted to say. Higher prices for goods. You don't know this? Everything is up. Costco is up. Fruits are up. Vegetables are up. Meat is up. Gas is up. So when it hits $7 a gallon, what do you say? It's Trump's fault? Of course, you have it all ready to go. It's not Trump's fault. It's your fault for electing this con man, this con man Biden and his drunken son. Bailouts of trillions of dollars? Yes, you're going to pay for it everywhere you turn. It's Jimmy Carter, too. I lived through the Jimmy Carter years. Gasoline was through the roof. You know what inflation was? You know what the interest rates were? 18 to 20 percent. Did you know any of this? We had low interest rates under Trump, but he was no good. We had no war under Trump, but he was no good. So now you're going to have war and, and runaway inflation. And you'll blame who for it? Blame yourself for electing this con man. So what's causing the inflation? When you print money, you debase the value of the currency and you cause inflation. When you give money to people to not work, you cause inflation. You get it? That's Biden. But there's more to the story. Then we have the fraud Fauci, a lifer inside the NIH, a man who was a liar during the AIDS epidemic in the 1980s. He was, it was a front, in my opinion, for big pharma pushing uh, AZT. Instead of telling people to control their behavior, he said, take the drugs. The same exact story here in reverse. Now he's telling you to take the vaccine and to wear a mask. So here this lying little communist SOB, Fauci, Comes out and says, to who? Someone, I don't know, the guy they put on there. Quite possible seasonal mask wearing will become permanent America. So let's go to Canada. Canada was once a great nation. Canada was once a free nation. And then what happened was they seized the guns. They installed a socialist government. And now, listen to this. The police have arrested a pastor for opening a church while mosques and synagogues are operating. You see the picture on my website that could break your heart. Police in Canada arresting a pastor who fled communism in Poland like Nazis arresting Christians in Poland. Christians are being arrested in Canada while mosques are open. You listening to this? It gets even worse. New York City under the communist de Blasio, the white hater de Blasio, denied a permit to veterans to have a parade while giving a permit to pot smokers. New York City veterans fume over parade lockout after pot smokers get permit to march. There is so much more to be said. I guess I'll continue to say it to you. 
Would you like a few more stories? Here's another one from my website. California man spent $5 million in fraudulent COVID relief on luxury cars and trips, feds say. Who's the man? Is he a white supremacist? I don't know. His name is Mustafa Kaidri of Irvine. It doesn't sound like a white male to me. Mustafa Kadiri learned how to work the system pretty good. And he got $5 million in payment protection program loans, buying a Ferrari, buying a, Maserati, a Lamborghini. And how did he do it? How did he do it? He's accused of claiming to operate four businesses based in Newport Beach, California, none of which are in operation. All American Lending, Inc., All American Capital Holdings, Inc., Rad Media Lab, Inc., and Adblot, Inc., in May and June of 2020, Kadiri, Q-A-D-I-R-I, not Smith or Jones, submitted false and fraudulent applications to the Federal Payment Protection Program, or PPP, the Small Business Loan Program, set up by Congress to help cover employee wages and keep workers on the books during the pandemic. Here's what prosecutors said in a statement. The false information allegedly included the number of employees to whom the companies paid wages, altered bank account records with inflated balances, and fictitious quarterly federal tax return forms. The prosecutors went on to say, Kadiri allegedly also used someone else's name, social security number, and signature to fraudulently apply for one of the loans. Banks funded the loans and transferred approximately $5 million to accounts Kadiri controlled, the statement said. You want to read more about it? Read more about it on michaelsavage.com. I want to refer again to a character Tony Montana played by Al Pacino in the movie Scarface. A great line. I rewatched the movie the other day and Tony Montana says, I hate communist men. They're always telling you what to do. Now you understand the rest of that story. We have a government telling you what to do. You have Fauci telling you to wear a mask while you're sleeping. You have Biden telling you to shut your mouth and dummy up. Meanwhile, prices are rising everywhere. Consumers are being squeezed. Gasoline is going to the roof. Who are you going to blame? Trump? You got it ready. Go ahead. Blame Trump. You got it all ready to go. Meanwhile, talk about reparations. That's what you got to do. What about China? What about Russia? What about the pipeline on the East Coast that closed down last week due to a hacker? Who was the hacker? We don't know. But Biden's in charge. Don't you worry. He knows just what's going on. What else is in the news? Everything is in the news. Let's look at some of the other news stories. Seven killed in apparent murder-suicide at Colorado birthday party. No names, no pictures. Uh, not yet. Sources reveal suspected Times Square shooters intended target. Uh, another oppressed minority. Wild West in Times Square hit a woman, hit a child. But don't tell that to de Blasio. He's busy talking about reparations and oppression of minorities. What else is in the news? Oh, there's so much more news. No horsing around. Trump calls Kentucky Derby winner a junkie. Good for you, Donald. They doped up the horse. Unbelievable to me what's going on in the world. So that's what's going on in the world. At least 68 killed in Afghan school blast. Families bury victims. Heartbreaking to see what the Taliban are doing because they're out of control because they know the U.S. is pulling out on the old Joe Biden. What else is in the news? Images show thousands of assault weapons. Seized from ship allegedly sent by Iran. Really? Meanwhile, Fauci says wearing masks may eventually become seasonal. Man fatally shot by cops after driving car into police station. Again, no picture, no man. What else is in the news? Let's see what else is in the news. You know what's in the news. Ex-New York State Senate leader also released early from prison. Another bum. 
A minority bum was sent to prison for corruption and released because of what? Why? Former New York State Senator Malcolm Smith leaving court after being sentenced to seven years in prison is being allowed now to complete the remainder of a seven-year public corruption sentence at his home in Queens. Isn't that funny? Isn't that funny? It's not funny. The Federal Bureau of Prison said Smith was transferred from Lewisburg Prison in Pennsylvania to community confinement during the peak of the COVID outbreak. Oh, really? I wonder what he's going to be back doing back at his home in Jamaica, Queens. Uh, he was seen outside wearing a bathrobe and watering his lawn Sunday morning. The once powerful poll declined to comment. Friends said he's in good spirits. No kidding, he's in good spirits. Malcolm's home, while people you know are still in jail. So how did he get out and why did he get out? I don't know. Ask Biden. Ask uh, Governor Cuomo why he's releasing him. Well, these are some of the stories. You can't blame it all on him. But let's go to the dumb cluck, Chuck. Chuck Todd, perhaps the dumbest man in the media, next to that mortadella with eyes, didn't ask Fauci one key COVID question about anything. Instead of dumb up Chuck Chuck, asked Fauci loaded questions that Fauci the lifer could answer. What else is in the news? NASA fuming after Chinese rocket crashes into Earth. What are they fuming about? What else? Let's see what else in the news. Sexual misconduct, this and that. Past those Easter confrontation when police went viral, arrested. That's in Canada. I told you that story. Okay? Meanwhile, what else is in the news? You notice who shut up? I'm afraid to even mention it. Nancy Pelosi hasn't been heard from. Do you know why? Why would Nancy Pelosi suddenly shut her, her, her big mouth? She couldn't shut her mouth for four years straight when Trump was in office. Now suddenly Pelosi has dummied up and shut her mouth. Why? Well, a trillion dollars for infrastructure goes a long way towards roads, bridges, and tunnels. And take a guess who's going to disperse that money. I'll let you figure it out when you figure out the rest of the story right here on the Savage Nation Newsbreak on the Savage Nation podcast about the human wrecking ball in the White House. And I'll have more to say about it in a moment right here with Francis Menton. The Savage Nation. It's Savage On Demand. We're speaking with a great writer, Francis Menton. You wrote a great article, A Human Wrecking Ball in the White House. That's what caught my eye because I have friends who are as knowledgeable as you and I are about what's going on. Their heads are not in the sand. They're not blind. They know that Biden is a factotum for some very evil dark forces. And uh, your article said, maybe you didn't believe me earlier this month when I issued a warning to the U.S. was, quote, getting ready to go full Venezuela on economic policy. And then you heard Biden's speech and you said, are you getting the picture? And you wrote, all constraints are now lifted and the limits no longer apply. The federal government is now fully unleashed to solve all human problems. That says about everything that needs to be said about it. But why did we read on the Drudge Report that 66 percent of Americans are happy? Were they happy in Venezuela before it all collapsed? Well, that is a subject I have spent some considerable time following. I don't know how much you have followed the uh, Venezuela situation. If you go through the archives of my blog, I probably have 10 to 20 posts on the subject. Well, he, well here's what I know about Venezuela, and it's important I state this. There is a lawyer whose name I will not mention, one of the most famous First Amendment attorneys in the world in New York, an extreme left-wing guy. He happens to be a nice person, personally. 
but he's a very left-wing guy. He went to Venezuela and, and certified Chavez's election when it happened. I'm talking many, many years ago. He was sent there by whoever sent He certified the election was legitimate. That was the beginning of the end of Venezuela. And, and so these people have been operating a very long time around the world, Castro, Chavez. Is Biden in the same league, Francis, as, as um, Chavez, would you say? Well, there are there are many differences. The league is an excellent question. I Chavez it, it, it was you, you would think it, it's just a pure thug. I would say. I mean, I, I would I would give Biden more credit than that. Which is, I don't I don't give Biden a whole lot of credit. But I was in my post really just comparing the 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 economic policy concept. I mean, Chavez was elected in 1998. Uh, that's probably the election you're referring to, mm-hmm. and his program was explicitly a blowout of government spending to cure poverty and solve uh, all human problems immediately. Oh, that it was sounds, the program from the beginning. It sounds familiar. In other words, all things for all people, and it would come from the rich. Well, it would come from the rich. In the case of Venezuela, they had the infinite spigot of money, the oil company, which is right. state-owned. And as I'm sure you know, the price of oil was up at that time. It remained up uh, with some variations into um, about 2014. Mm. And uh, so they had a gusher of money coming out from the oil business. They consolidated control over the oil business. There was a strike. They beat the strike. They fired all the dissenters in the oil company. They put in loyalists. Mm. And they had this big spigot of money and they were going to solve all the problems. As late as 2013, that's 15 years in, uh, they were declaring that they had succeeded, that all the problems had been solved, that poverty had been reduced from 50% to well under 10%, that they built all this housing, that everything was great. Mm. And then one day, inflation took off. They stopped reporting economic statistics and everything fell apart. And that was about 2014, 2015. And I don't know how much you followed it since then, but the economy is, has shrunk by two thirds since then. The and Look, you, you know what you're talking about and you can do no wrong with me. If you went to Yale when it was still Yale, can you believe that folks? Well, this man actually got a BA from Yale when Yale was Yale and wait, he then got a Harvard Law School degree in 75 when it was still a law school before it became a political indoctrination uh, center where you were introduced to law based upon your race or your sexual disorientation. So I'm honored to have uh, this gentleman on the show and he knows what he's talking about. That's why we're talking with Francis Menton and his blog is highly recommended called ManhattanContrarian.com. And his article quotes someone as saying, make America poor again. That resonated with me because I wrote a book years ago called Trickle Up Poverty, which has a similar, <laughs> a similar message. Who do you think is acting as president at this time? We know it's not Joe, or is it? Uh, I, I think you're right. I think that Joe probably thinks he has something to do about it. Now, who did I read today who thinks Ron Klain is the guy? Uh, Ron Klain may well be the guy. I don't know much about Ron Klain. Chief of I, staff? He's the chief of staff. Uh, 
Kamala Harris? I, I mean, I'm just guessing about this. I, I don't she's have not, any she's special not, insights. You know, neither neither do we, and they they're very secretive. But Francis, Kamala's from the San Francisco area. She's not that bright. How she got here is almost the accidental gardener who became vice president <laughs> because she was not known as the smartest district attorney in the East Bay at the time. Everyone knows the story of how, you know, her relationships and whatnot without getting into the saliciousness of, of the rumors. It doesn't matter to me what people do. But she's not that smart. I don't think she's running the country. I hope not anyway. Well, um, <laughs> I'll make two comments about that. One is... Uh, one is I agree with you that she's not that smart, but I will also say that I have often made the point that you don't have to be very smart to be president. <laughs> okay. If, well, if, that means if I, you I know could have been president. Doing. I could have been president then if I played the game well, right. Well, you could have or me. I'm I'm too smart for the job, but I, I, this, <laughs> and this I'm, is an important. I'm, and I'm too much this, of a contrarian to last in a job for more than three days. But this is an important point, and I'd like to elaborate a little. All right. There's two visions of the world. The progressive vision in which the government's job is to do everything and solve every human problem and right. take care of everybody's life. And then there's the other vision, the limited government vision. Mm. And in the limited government vision, the, the president's job really only consists of two things, which is to oppose, to the extent possible, all mm. spending of money by Congress. It doesn't matter what. Wow. And, and how to smart do you to oppose? How smart do you the, have to be to, to do that? Oppose the spending by, <laughs> to oppose the spending by Congress. Here we have a president now, Biden, who wants to spend six trillion dollars. One trillion seconds equals thirty-one thousand years. Where's the money going to come from, Francis? Well, uh, and you can ask that of Venezuela. And where is the money going to come from? Money, you know, the Federal Reserve has the infinite checkbook. The Federal okay. Reserve can, can write a check in any amount. Right. Uh, the problem with that is that in, in, inflation can get going, and inflation gets going with long and unknown lags and you have no inflation for a while and then a longer while and all of a sudden you have enormous inflation and nowhere to stop it and they don't seem to be concerned about that in the least so here right. we go <laughs> well let's talk about that for a minute there was a time that the consumer price index was tied to real commodities milk butter eggs uh, petroleum things like that and what had happened was, and it's not just under Biden, I noticed even under Trump, they started to disassociate some of the fundamental items from the consumer price index. And I think there was a slight inflation already on the rise under Trump. Is that a fair assessment, Francis? I've I got to tell you, I have not followed the details of the changes in the market basket of the consumer price index. I do think that there is a has been a small start of inflation and how far it's going to go. I'm surprised that it hasn't taken off more than it has even yet. Mm. And, and the only comment I'm going to make is they are playing an extremely dangerous game of of um, issuing a huge amount of debt and then monetizing it, which means the Federal Reserve buys it up by creating new money mm. and. They're creating enormous amounts of new money on the theory that we haven't had inflation in a while and therefore we never will again, which is is just the ultimate in folly. And 
when it comes, it's going to come suddenly, and it's it's going to be tremendously difficult to get rid of. And we have idiots running the show, <laughs> and nothing we can do about it. Nothing we can do about it except, well, the truth. You know, know the truth. The truth shall set you free. In other words, what values does the truth have unto itself? To me, truth is freedom, even if it has no effect. At least knowing what the hell is going on keeps me sane. And that's why we're talking today. We're, we're, we're trying to bring sanity into a world that's disconnected from reality. The Savage Nation. It's savage, uncut, unfiltered, and raw. This is Michael Savage. We're continuing my discussion of the wrecking ball in the White House, the biggest phony in the history of the presidency, with Francis Menton the Manhattan contrarian about a human wrecking ball in the White House. These federal social service programs and spending that were created uh, exist. You make a list of some 83 categories of federal need-based spending programs. I couldn't believe when I looked at it, and I'm going to uh, talk about it at another time. Everyone knows about Social Security, supplemental security income, earned income tax credit, SNAP, food stamps, Medicaid, CHIP, temporary assistance for needy families, school breakfast program, you name it, they've got it. There are now, what, 80-some-odd programs? Well, and they 81, won- and it's not 81 programs, it's 81 categories. <laughs> so, okay. so and, some and, of the and, categories and it's not solved multiple the, programs. But it hasn't solved poverty. None of these have erased poverty, have they? not only not erased it but they don't even reduce it that's the incredible thing and then when they come around and uh, you probably know this was not in this post but i posted on a week or two ago uh, biden was proposing uh, a new round of food programs of which there are already 17 and a new round of child credits and he was saying this is going to reduce child poverty by half and we're and we're finally going to end hunger in the united states no, not at all. We already have dozens upon dozens of programs addressing these same things, and they never reduce it at all. And the reason they never reduce it at all is because that's not how a bureaucracy works. A bureaucracy is incapable of solving the problem that it is created to address, because if it saw, if the federal bureaucracy solved poverty, they would be out of business, and they are not going to put themselves out of business. It's so, the same as the National Cancer Institute. I years ago used to be in the cancer research world, and there was a joke going around. The people would whisper that the NCI would go out of business if anyone found the cure for for cancer, so to speak, even though there are many cancers. And so there was a, an inherent desire never to cure the problem because they would be out of business. And of course, we have the same here. Wait a minute, I thought there were people starving to death. Now I hear there's obesity. Wasn't there obesity last week? Now they're starving to death? Which is it? Well, and of course, the answer is there aren't people starving to death. Biden actually said there were people who lack enough food. That is a complete distortion. Right. But but what there actually is, is a, a huge amount of food distribution programs but all of which are specifically designed and when they calculate the metrics are calculated in such a way that they don't count when they measure poverty or when they measure hunger Mm. so that it doesn't matter how many of them you add and how much food you distribute 
This, the metrics are always the same and they come around for another program and the people have forgotten about the already existing 17 programs that there are. The people don't have them in their head. Mm. So, they, so they want to be decent and they want to be generous and they right. go right ahead and approve the next program. Right. We all want to be compassionate to the downtrodden and the poor. I'm a former social worker, by the way, on the Upper West Side of New York, where I learned reality. I mean, I was earning less money than most of the people on welfare, but that's a topic for another day. That Here I was. A, he was a young college graduate out of Queens College, and I became a social worker on the Upper West Side when it, when it was a slum before it was gentrified. And now it's slipping back into the slummy world again. And I'm going in these beautiful old pre-war apartments on the Upper West Side, and people were gaming the system left and right. And um, I go and come back to the office. With, it was then called the Department of Welfare, not social services. So I sit down with my supervisor, and she says, get out a pencil. Here's what we have to write for Mr. Smith. She said, write down $150 for coffee table, $75 for two armchairs. Uh, another thing was a living room, $350. Bedroom has to have a bed, $250. Two th- at t- end tables are $50. The bill was another, I don't know, $3,000. I had to cut him a check. I said, wait a minute. I don't have a bed. I am sleeping on a mattress on the floor in Queens, and I'm a college graduate. She said, I'm sorry. That's the rule. And she said, a minimum civility is required for people in this country, and he's entitled to all this furniture in his apartment. That was my, that was my road. That was the beginning of my road away from, you know, what shall I say, uh, compassion, liberalism. I mean, uh, foolish compassion, absurdity. I don't know how to put it. But boy, did I get cauterized with that one. But how many, uh, how many of your colleagues never had the same transformation as you? That's what I don't understand. All of them. They're still in New York or they're six feet under, but they never changed their politics. And what happened to me later on was I killed myself while married with two children and working three jobs and going to graduate school and writing books, raising kids. I get my PhD from Berkeley, which was said to be the union ticket. They said, you got to get your union, union card to get a teaching job. And then when my turn came, I had a you know, perfect index. I wrote books. They said, sorry, uh, basically, white males need not apply. I got so crazy angry. That's when I realized society was twisted upside down and gamed against me. I'm an immigrant son. And that was really how I ceased to be a starry-eyed liberal, frankly. Now, your article is, again, on your blog, which is very important, the ManhattanContrarian.com. Everyone listening to this podcast should go on that so that this gentleman's time is not wasted. And Francis Menton is his name. And the article is a human wrecking ball in the White House. So you're saying uh, we're on the road to Venezuela. Trillions of dollars will be spent. And then they're going to spend it on a climate emergency, new programs so enormous that you can't even criticize any individual items. It would be pointless. And you're saying, will these programs enhance the well-being of the American people? And the answer, according to all of us who are rational, is no. So what is it going to take, a collapse in the economy for people to, to for the pendulum to swing the other way to big, to small government and all of that again, or nothing? Well, um, I, I emphasize Venezuela, and, and this is something you should know if you don't know, which is that the, the metrics that the government uses to measure the economy are, mm-hmm. are uh, not good. And they count government spending as an increase in the economy 
while it's destroying the economy. That's why Venezuela went on for so long before anybody knew it was falling apart. Wait, wait, say that again. So the amount and of money that's going to happen with us too. You're saying that government spending counts as a as an economic metric. When they measure GDP, gross, yes. domestic, gross domestic product, when they right. measure GDP, they count government spending on goods and services as a 100% addition to GDP, and oh. they count a reduction in government spending as a, uh, on goods and services as a 100 cents on the dollar reduction in GDP. Oh, and boy. That, that is like putting, a, and that's always been true since they created GDP accounting back in, earlier in the 20th century. That's like putting a ball and chain around rational economic policy to prevent it from gaining any traction. You said never forget that in Venezuela they were using similar measuring conventions to declare an economic miracle many years after the economic catastrophe had become clear to everyone in Venezuela. And right. so now we have Roger Kimball calling the Biden program MAPA make America poor again, or as I said years ago, um, trickle up poverty. It's about the same thing. So we're ready for a rough ride, are we, Francis? Is that where well, we're going? Yeah, I was going to say the, the route to a change in course is not necessarily that uh, impossible. The, the Congress is within, what, five seats of the Republicans taking control, Yes. Uh, Biden is doing everything he can to screw up and help them take control in, in 2022, which is we only hope. A, yeah, a, but a year what, and a half. What if they steal the election, quote, um, steal the election, comma, again, period? That's that's certainly a problem. Uh, the presidency could easily swing to a Republican in 2024. So I, so I am an optimist. Good for you. I am an eternal optimist. But, but Biden is a wrecking ball. He is doing everything he can to destroy the country as fast as possible. And, and we're not even talking about the attack upon directly and directly with this critical race theory, which is nothing but outright racism against white people, which is a topic for another day. I cover this on another podcast. I mean, it's pure racism. The kids are getting wrecked from it. Yes, he's a wrecking ball on virtually every level. God forbid... China goes to war with us over something, or Russia sees our our weakness, and they're massing tanks and troops on the border of Ukraine. China's making machinations in the uh, in the far Pacific. Where's this going to go when they see such a crazy leadership in this country? Well, Do you think on another scale we can have a war? Uh, that's a question not often posed to me. I mean, the history. The history of the human race is the history of war. Mm. If 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 war has actually been abolished because everybody is too scared of it today, that would be a miracle beyond almost imagining. So it, it's almost impossible to say there will never be another another war. Mm. But on the other hand, it's almost unimaginable what that war would look like if the united states and china went to war what would that war look like my crystal ball isn't that good maybe you have a better crystal no ball. i read kissinger the other day and i mean kissinger's pretty smart guy he's 99 years old of course he opened the door to china under nixon 
And now he's warning us about China, saying this would be a catastrophe beyond anything we could ever imagine. Because in the old days when we were posed against, poised against the Soviet Union, it was just war machine against war machine. He said now it's on four or five different levels, the Internet and so many other uh, elements. So, you know, it's it's a pretty worrisome situation, especially when we have such a, I would say, shaky administration with someone running the country. We don't know who. And of course, today we're focusing only on the economics. What a great discussion this is with Francis Menton. His blog is ManhattanContrarian.com. We'll be right back after this quick break. Home of Borders, Language, Culture, The Savage Nation. All right, we're back with Francis Menton on the Savage Nation podcast. How is it to live in Manhattan these days? You've been there, obviously, all your life. Is it livable? Well, I've not been here all my life. I moved here after school. Uh, I, I moved here in 1975, so I was 25 years old. Long time ago. So I, I grew up in upstate New York, Poughkeepsie, New York. Uh-huh. Uh, and I moved to Manhattan because, because I had a law degree and I got a job at a big law firm and I wanted to pursue a career in that, which I did, which was a very good career to have. Manhattan has been a very nice place to live. It's a nice place to live if you have a high income, which I did. I had a high income for a long time. And, and uh, so I live very comfortably and very nicely in Manhattan. But, is the, it, but what about the news stories of the random guys running around beating people up, you know, stabbing them? Do you feel that in the streets, that danger? No. 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 Isn't that no. something? And... and uh, I'm not saying you shouldn't keep your eyes open in the streets, but you're in the 415 area code. I don't know exactly where you are. I live out the outskirts of San Francisco and Marin County. Exactly. Clearly, you live in the San Francisco area. It's the same thing there, right? The random people. Maybe you say you don't go into San Francisco, but so you were a frequent visitor to San Francisco. Oh, I was there all the time. I, I All my life was over there. The cafes, my friends. You know, I mean, the life of a city... Uh, you can go crazy without it, actually, once you get used right, to we're, it. We're the same thing here. I live in Greenwich Village, which you, and the dugout bar is still here. We have a tremendous variety of restaurants. We have a, we have a lot of things to do, and I know a I lot of people. It. And, wow. and, it's, and it's a very nice place to live. Now, COVID has been very hard on Manhattan because they yeah. closed everything up and restaurants were closed. And, I know, that's and, terrible. And theater is closed, and movie theaters are closed, and concerts are closed, and... You know, it's been a terrible thing. It's only starting to reopen now. Uh, well, that's because Cuomo's in trouble. He decided to reopen the economy well, and, and let people live that's again. Fair. That's fair. It's well, only anyway, to reopen I can't now. wait to get to New York maybe later this year because I truly miss it. And it's the, the land of my ancestors. It's where I grew up, where I still think like a New Yorker. I walk across streets like a New Yorker. I interact with people like a New Yorker. And, of course, it's helped me survive all these years outside of New York. I want to, I don't know when you left, but I want to give you a couple of statistics that will put things in perspective for you. In the the 1960s and 70s and 80s, the crime rate soared in New York. Mm -hmm. And you can look at crime statistics and they're they're not very reliable because it depends on reporting but the one that's reliable is murders so you can look at murders and you have a very good idea what crime is mm. overall crime the other mm. statistics are are iffy but murders i mean there's a body so you know you know how many murders there are uh the number of murders 
hit a peak of 2,300 in New York City in 1992. And that's when Giuliani, and, and the next year Giuliani was elected mayor, and, the num, and they it instituted more aggressive policing, and other things occurred, and the murder rate started to fall. And it got all the way down to 300 murders a year. And you can see what a tr an unbelievable change that is. It's like a 90% reduction. Yeah. Close to 90% reduction. And that bottom was a few years ago. In the last couple of years, it's gone back up. So it's gone back up from 300 to 500. That's a terrible thing. They're pissing away that tremendous benefit. Mm. But it's only 500. It was 2,000. More than oh, as, long, as long as you're not one of the numbers, nor anyone you know. Correct. Uh, but, are, the are, are the squeegee men back on no. the on, on the streets wiping windshields? No. Good. Well, one day I will visit again. In fact, I owe my agent, I owe my editor, I owe my relatives a visit. And um, I hope that when I'm in New York, maybe you and I could cross paths and have a drink together in the dugout or somewhere well, like that. Or if, if they'll open up a bar, I'll take you to the Yale Club. I'll, you know what? It's actually a sister club. I'm a member of the University Club of San Francisco, and one of the only reasons I joined is not for the great food. It's an old building which I love. I love oh, I love antiques. I'm an antiquarian. My dad had an antique store in New York. But because Yale Club, Harvard Club, they're sister clubs to the University Club, and I've never been to them, so it's a great opportunity to visit you, Mr. Menton. Any concluding remarks for the Savage Nation podcast? Well, I can think of I, I can think of lots of concluding remarks, but I I, uh, I guess my main thing would be you somehow discovered my blog on this latest article. I've been writing it for uh, since 2012, so that would mm. be almost nine years. Well, I've been and working slowly. I've been working probably 150 slow. posts a year, so there's there's uh, between one and two thousand more than a thousand uh, posts there about a lot of different things economics not so much foreign policy but economics domestic policy a lot on the climate issue and the, the climate scam mm. seem to be well attuned to and we're not and, talking uh, yet about the covid scam are we the covid the, you know the covid scam is probably less of a scam than climate because covid at least was a real disease now, <laughs> yeah right the cure was a little way off instead of doing a selective quarantines or selective closures which came later in other countries which i called for yeah. from they did a, a wholesale close down of all the economies and destroyed these countries we'll do this maybe another day we're speaking with francis menton again his blog is the greatest even though i haven't seen other than this one and i will see all of them very soon we'll link it up on michaelsavage.com manhattancontrarian.com francis menton a, a pleasure to meet you honestly it's been a real pleasure i feel as though i was swimming in clear water for a while with you. It's a pleasure to speak with you. Francis Menton, thanks for being with us on the Savage Nation podcast. Bye now. Well, thank you very much for listening to today's podcast. I hope you've enjoyed and learned something from it. And I want to remind you of something that I think is important for you to know. We have over 280 Savage Nation podcast episodes available to you absolutely free i'll say that again you can go back into this vast library of over 280 episodes and listen to any one of them or several of them at your leisure so you never have to be without the savage nation thank you very much for listening <laughs>